Well, we make our way back to uh, Psalm 72, and we will complete this psalm uh, this evening, uh, looking at verses um, 8 and following. Uh, Remember, uh, uh, we've been thinking about the promises that are given uh, to the people of Israel that uh, are are fulfilled in um, in ways far uh, smaller than uh, the fulfillment that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, they're, they're promised a device that would help them to communicate um, and, and, and in, in terms of something like a, a Morse code um, uh, uh, tool there, and that's compared to uh, a cell phone that can tap into the Internet and all that. The fullness of Christ far outreaching um, anything that we see in the Old Covenant Kingdom. And yet the Old Testament Kingdom has a solidity and has an evident glory that can capture our imagination and our attention. And sometimes we may wish to go back to what is old and what is merely a shadow of what is to come. And so we want Jesus to be exalted uh, this, this evening as we look at Psalm, Psalm 72. I'll read just verses 8 through 14 at this time. Uh, May he, may the king have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. This evening, I desire that a prayer to this King, uh, King Jesus, will lift you up for new faithfulness in the Kingdom of God. That your prayers to the King would lift you up to new and fresh faithfulness in the Kingdom of God. We see in these verses here, um, verses 8 through 14, Uh, that we are to praise King Jesus for his expansive kingdom, for his expansive kingdom. Um, Solomon's Morse code version of the kingdom is is very small indeed. And I wonder, Stephen, if you would project the map up there. I am without my trusty spotter, but we'll do the best that we can. The kingdom of Solomon, I believe here, is indicated by that blue, um, the blue on on the map. Uh, The kingdom of David was somewhat smaller up at the top. No, I'm sorry, this is Saul and David. Um, um, Solomon's goes up a little farther in the north, a a little bit further uh, in the land of the Aramaeans, and and just a little bit farther in the south. But as you can see, in any case, it it is small, it is tiny. It is it is small, a very a very few acres in the uh, in in the Middle East, and that was the full extent of Israel in this uh, in this Old Testament 
kingdom. And yet the nations did come and pay tribute to her. But even Solomon's glory uh, and the visits from the Queen of Sheba is but a flicker compared to the glory of the present kingdom of God. It is said here that the the river Euphrates, it would would go from the river Euphrates to the banks of the Mediterranean Sea. And and yet we understand the kingdom as it is declared, uh, uh, the kingdom of Jesus as it is declared will go from, from sea to sea, from shore to shore, from horizon to horizon, not just to the banks of the Mediterranean Sea. I want to read to you um, a few, and you may, you may get rid of that uh, map, please. <laughs> I want to read to you a, a few statements from a theologian named Herman Bavink on the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear the distinctions that he's making about the kingdom, he says, that is painted for us in concrete pictures and how it is realized um, in our day and beyond. The future of the kingdom of God is painted for us in tints and colors taken from circumstances then extant, then in existence, and are not to be taken in a literal sense, but nevertheless give deep impression of the reality of that kingdom. It is not the image of a dream. It is actualized on earth in history, under a king of David's throne. It always comes into being in battle against and conquest of all enemies. It is a kingdom of perfect righteousness and peace, whose righteousness consists especially in this, the needy will be rescued and the poor helped. But it spreads itself out over all enemies up to the ends of the earth and remains standing into all eternity. We sometimes want the more vivid kingdom, but this kingdom is more powerful, more enduring, and more beautiful in its righteousness. So let's talk a little bit about the cell phone version that far exceeds Uh, the Morse code version. The cell phone version, which has the benefit, for example, of Siri. You can ask it questions. Siri, you'll like this, who won the World Series in 1980 and 2008? The Phillies. Okay, good. Good. We have a capability that far exceeds the dot dash of the Old Testament. And yet, as we turn to the New Testament to see something of the glory of Christ in our age, in our time, look with me. You may wish to turn to John chapter 12. The Gentiles were now coming to see Jesus. They wanted to observe this one who was causing such a stir in Palestine. And we see, uh, we see in, in John chapter 12, uh, around verse uh, 20, uh, 21 and following, Uh, the Gentiles came and they said to the disciples, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They brought him to him. And this is what Jesus' response is. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the kingdom, the Father will honor him. It is in the apparent weakness of the cross, in the death of the Savior, and in the death of his followers, that true glory is manifest in this world. It is in the dying of a seed that life flourishes. It is in a corrupt and destructive environment that the church, small and weak though it appears to be, grows and even the most powerful human government is not able to crush it because God delivers His church even in the midst of the wolves. Uh, Stephen Charnock uh, who wrote uh, The Existence and Attributes of God, says, says this, uh, When Roman emperors bandied all their force against her for 300 years, they were further from effecting her ruin, the ruin of the church, than when they started. The church grew under their sword. The church was hatched under the wings of the Roman eagle, which were spread to destroy her. And yet she flourished greater at the end of this period of persecution than she was before. And part of this mystery is that they care not just for their own, but for ours too, marveling at the work of God through the church, caring for the weak and the downtrodden. We see the same thing going on, or similar thing going on in China today. Listen to how the, the, the kingdom of God goes forward in this world. The kingdom of God that appears so weak and, and at, the, at the mercy of, of, the, of the governments of this world. China's attempts to stamp out the church are also fruitless. We have spoken of Pastor, uh, Pastor um, Wang Yi recently given a nine-year sentence in prison. And this is the response of the church. Thank you that though he is behind bars, he is free. Because God has provided a new mission field for him. And so they continue to plant churches. They continue to gather for worship because the church, their language, the church is the scaffolding of the kingdom of God. It is the structure, weak though she is, in which the kingdom of God grows. One pastor said this to the police, the church belongs to God. I don't have the courage to shut it down. If you have the guts, you can do it yourself. The people um, have been steeled for a resistance to the apparent strength of the Chinese government. And there is nothing that will keep them from that life of following the Lord Jesus. They are comforted by two things, and these are specific things that can help us right where we are as well. First of all, the assurance that their persecutors will one day answer to God. Therefore, they can respond to those who persecute them, those who imprison their leaders, they can respond to them in this way. They do not seek vengeance. They do not give up. And they do not despair. 
Their words are captured uh, in verse 14 um, of our text. That God will redeem their lives from oppression. Look at verse 14. From oppression and violence, He redeems their life. And precious is their blood uh, in His sight. Uh, this is uh, certainly uh, modeled after the, the description of Jesus in, in Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, as Jesus himself was saved through his death. Look at, listen to this as, as a paradigm in some ways of our own dealing with suffering and with persecution in this life. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. He was saved not from death, but through death. And that is a message that our Chinese brothers and sisters are getting. They do not need to fight back against those who wish their demise. They have that confidence in God's kingdom going forward, forth even in that brokenness. The second thing we learn from them is that they see, let us put it in our terms, we see persecution as a form of discipline. Not punishment, but discipline and as an opportunity to grow stronger in faith and prayer. The Chinese Christians are thankful that their pastor has been taken and they are thankful for persecution because this now is an environment for us to grow and flourish, for faith to spring up into greater obedience to the glory of God. Many pastors there say that the biggest threat that is facing the church is not persecution, but their fear that keeps them from pressing the kingdom of God forward. Oh God, do not spare us persecution. Spare us from our own fear that would keep us from walking forward and pressing the kingdom of God forward in this circumstance. Their words again, do not waste this opportunity that God has given to us. So what are you going through right now that you might tend to look at as a punishment or a neglect from God? but is in fact an opportunity from Him for your growth. The, uh, the church in uh, Chengdu is called the Early Rain Church, and I don't know whether you've wondered about that name. Let me read you the verse, I believe this is the verse from which it comes, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, verse 14. Um, he will give uh, the rain for your land in its season. The early rain... And the later rain. The later rain, my dear friends, is yet to come. But the church in China is experiencing the early rain. There is enough, there is enough in, in vitality, there is enough life-giving power in that early rain to provide powerful growth and fruit, especially in their suffering. And we're reminded of the words of, of the Magnificat, which seem to be taken almost from the latter verses uh, 12, 13, and 14 of our text. The Lord scatters the proud. 
He brings down the mighty. He exalts the humble. He fills the hungry with good things. So here's the lesson. Here's the takeaway from this part of the psalm. God does His deepest kingdom work in us in our hardest times. God does His deepest kingdom work in us in our hardest times. And so we pray. This is the prayer I urge you to make. Make me humble enough to grow stronger through the obedience of faith, obeying you when it's hardest and when I'd rather quit. Make me humble enough to grow stronger through the obedience of faith, obeying when it's hardest and when I'd rather quit. That's the person who has the vision of the kingdom of God spreading through across the, across the world and God is giving His merciful presence to the needy, to the poor, to the pitiful and having pity on, on the weak. And so this kingdom of God is expansive. It moves through weakness, but it is expansive. And in this last section, verses 15 through 17, we see that the kingdom of God is a fertile kingdom. So we are to praise King Jesus for His fertile kingdom. Listen to these verses. Long may He live. May gold of Sheba be given to Him. May prayer be made for Him continually and blessings invoked for Him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. uh, And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May His name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. The language of of opulence, of of growth, that is plants just flying out of the ground. Now, again... Consider the prop plane, the prop biplane of Solomon's day. That is represented by the arrival of such as Queen Sheba in his court, as the nations would come to marvel at Solomon's wealth, and they would bring him more wealth. She would bring the wealth of Africa. My research assistant, Rich Dugan, came up with, with, with some interesting facts about, about Solomon's wealth. He appears to have been the second richest man in, in antiquity, worth something like $2.2 trillion. It is said that there were 25 tons of gold brought to him as tribute each year. Of course, his wealth was renowned throughout the world, and in his day, silver was as worthless as stones. Massive. Marvelous. And yet the fullness of not this biplane, but the the F-117 stealth fighter realized in the person of Jesus. We pray to this vastly uh, more wealthy king for the fertile blessings of the kingdom. 
And notice how they're described here. This is really an echo of the Garden of Eden restored. It is also foretold in the book of Ezekiel. Remember the picture in Ezekiel of the river that flows from the temple, the very dwelling place of God. It flows from the temple and it runs into the sea and it widens and it deepens as it makes its way down to the sea. And everything it touches is is rejuvenated, is renewed. Life springs out of the desert. There is healing of all it touches. And this becomes something like an eschatological prayer. A prayer for us to look forward to the end time blessings that are being realized even now uh, as we as we pray for the abundance of that kingdom in the mountaintops that are as lush as a valley. All of these vivid pictures for us to expect even now kingdom growth. The realization of the work and the blessings and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives today. We have a vision, certainly, of Revelation 22, where the river again runs down the middle of the street and trees spring up on both sides as they are fed by that river and as they bring forth different fruit, each 12 different fruits, each for one month of the year, as, as the, the as the opulence and the fertility of the kingdom of God is in full expression. And yet you and I live now with that future hope. And I want you to think about places where you feel hopeless. Maybe dealing with people in your own family that seem inert, lifeless. Pray for fruit in utterly barren places where hearts are cold, where hearts are stubborn, where there is spiritual blindness. And you may feel stuck in your own life. You may feel that there are areas that you simply can't change. And you're certain that others can't. And your Christianity has become tainted with some cynicism that we talk much about the growth of the Spirit and His work in our lives, but expect little. I love the picture that Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians, that our journey to heaven is described as moving from one degree of glory to another after the image of Christ. That's what we pray for in each other. The glory of Jesus moving from one degree to a greater degree a greater expression of His beauty. And to think we are inching towards glorification even today. I, uh, I wrote to my sister, uh, Carol, um, texted her as I was preparing uh, for this message a few weeks ago now, several weeks ago now. And uh, my sister, Carol, is married to... Um, um, perhaps the most energetic, intelligent, and diversely capable individual that I know of, a Dutchman from northwest Iowa, where the, um, where the, the ground is, is as fertile as, as any in the world. Um, and he has been a farmer, and he does uh, other things in, uh, in, in agriculture as well. But I asked her about this psalm, and I said, would you give me some adjectives that would help describe the kind of of life that you guys see out there on the farms in northwest Iowa? And um, she did me better. They sat down over coffee that morning, and they developed, they drew a picture that I want to share with you right now 
of, of what a fertile field is like and what goes into making a, a field produce greater and greater fruit. And be thinking, of course, of, of what, this is, what this is implying about our own spiritual life as well. Um, Alan, her, her husband's name, Alan compares fertile soil to a productive city. There are lots of people uh, working to produce the given product. Um, in the soil, um, workers are bacteria, fungi, protozoa, and worms. For best result, they are kept warm, not hot or cold. They are fed, they are kept warm, safe, and undisturbed. They need water and they need nutrients. Now, when the city below ground is working well, the roots of plants are fed so that they can grow and produce food for man and animals. And this is the amazing part about it. My brother-in-law, Alan, uh, is now focusing on, um, on bacteria production in the soil, feeding them with micronutrients Vitamins, rather than simply dumping fertilizer on the ground. Fertilizer that can contaminate water sources. I remember flying, Gail and I, for our 35th anniversary, we're in Bermuda, and we just saw amazing turquoise water in that area. And we flew home, and then we approached the Chesapeake Bay, and it was like coffee, <laughs> except for it wouldn't taste as good. So you know what, what fertilizer can do to just contaminate a, a body of water. But, but Alan's doing something very different. He is feeding. He is feeding those critters that create the health and the, and the, and the, uh, the good soil, uh, those vitamins. He's, he's feeding them those vitamins, vitamins rather than just putting fertilizer down. And Carol says... The results have been astounding. And they hope that others in their area and even across the world get what they're talking about. That's how innovative my brother-in-law is. It's amazing. My point of all this is that God guarantees health and growth in his field. He guarantees it and he provides absolutely everything we need for the healthiest growth that is necessary. He guarantees your growth. Several ways he does that. First of all, the seed. The seed is always good. Remember the seed that was planted in you. Remember the seed that was planted in your children, some of you who have children who may wander. The seed is good. We are born again by imperishable seed, through the living and abiding Word of God. That's the first thing. You need the seed. And then we become like a tree planted by the streams, by streams of water, our roots going down deep. And the organisms that feed uh, the, uh, the, the plant are God's life in us. As we were, we were reminded this morning, in Christ, hundreds of times, over a hundred times, Paul describes the Christian, his basic identity is being in Christ, connected to the divinity 
with an, with an immeasurable amount of Holy Spirit power. The Holy Spirit in you. You have Christ and all His benefits. Well, what's your part? Your part is, is faithful obedience. Especially when life, when, when your faith is tested. Faithful obedience, especially when faith is tested. What I've observed is that when people habitually turn to unbelief and, um, and away from Christ, their lives become, become flat, dull, and lifeless. And when they exercise faith and, and obedience in the midst even of pressure, amazing things happen. And I want to talk about that in just a moment. But our lives are, are full of trouble and temptation, no doubt. And you will be overwhelmed without the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. What, what do you observe in old people as they grow older? What do you observe in them? A couple of different things, potentially. One thing you observe in them might be uh, becoming crustier, nastier, whatever characteristics they had that were unpleasant in younger years now become unbearable. They become more harsh. They become hostile. The amazing thing about a Christian growing older, however, is that they are fed with this kingdom fertility. And so, Paul, so, so the psalmist can say, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green as they are fed by the nutrients of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and as their environment is, un, in, is, is this of faith. And so aging believers will become full of sap that continually flows from Christ. This, this makes our journey one of almost breathless excitement as we inch our way closer to heaven. We see the Holy Spirit making changes in us, making us more gentle, making us more understanding, making us more tolerant of people who may not agree with us, being willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. We see all of these things that are part and parcel of life in this day, bearing fruit as we grow older. And then one day, the, psalm, the proverb says, one day, as we are inching our way forward, our next step will be into the brilliant sunlight of the future kingdom. Realized in the precious face of Jesus. That you, you are not only in an expansive kingdom that is always inching its way forward, but it is also a fertile kingdom. Remember to pray. Remember to, to nourish yourself by the Spirit of God in, in the Word. And in particular, remember to obey, have the obedience of faith when you feel like giving up. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you every step of the way. Um, no, no question about that. We need your presence and your spirit. Um, we know that the world itself would uh, disintegrate if you did not uphold it uh, daily by the word of your power. 
And we know that we ourselves would, our faith would, would dry up and crack and, and turn to dust if you did not nourish it um, day by day by the ministry of the Spirit. And so we come to you, Lord Jesus, saying, uh, work in our lives. A, 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 a supple growth that is a consequence of, of living and abiding in the person of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.